Happy Monday, friends. This is Cordelia on the We Heal Together podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's episode, I am talking about victim blaming. If you like the content, if you like my podcast, be sure to follow me on Instagram. My account is at codependent recovery. All the information about me and anything that you could possibly want to know is in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. As always, the citations for today's episode are in the show notes as well. A new podcast episode drops every other week. So the next podcast episode will drop on Monday, October 4th. So be sure to tune in then. If you haven't already, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a review for the podcast on Apple and, you know, just put how you feel about the podcast and what you've learned from the podcast and anything you can contribute would be amazing. So after a few words from our sponsor, we will get right into the episode. Let's get healing, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by two different sponsors. They are both doggy companies, so you know that I love them. (laughs) I will, for full disclosure and transparency, as I always want to disclose that kind of stuff to you, I will earn a commission if you end up clicking through the links for either of these sponsors and making a purchase. With that being said, I prior to getting in Instagram and getting any kind of partnership with these sponsors, as well as getting my podcast with my own money, I, I bought these products on my own out of my pocket. And I can honestly say that I like these products a lot. I I stand behind these products and that's the only reason that I'm comfortable partnering with them. So first sponsor is iron doggy if you follow me on instagram that's who i I always show like the leash in my instagram that i use on my two dogs so i love their hands-free leashes you can use them for walking or running and they're awesome for taking your dogs around even if you just have one dog they have that option but they have awesome options for two dogs as well i have linked in the show notes, the leashes that I use for my dogs, as well as provided a general link. And if you use the code HEAL10, you get an additional 10% off. The other sponsor for today's episode is Embark. Again, this is another company that I paid for out of pocket, did the dog DNA testing kits on my dogs. And I thought it was such a cool process and I was really excited for this opportunity now to partner with them. So the results came back. It took about, mine only took about two weeks, but they generally come back in two to four weeks. They test over 350 breeds of dogs. They're the most accurate dog DNA test on the market, and they're the only canine DNA relative finder. They analyze over 200,000 genetic markers, And I've put the links for those kits in the show notes. 
if you use the spring 50 code on the link that I provided to the Breed and Health Kit, that will get you $50 off. I loved finding out my dog's breeds. I thought that was so cool. So I hope you enjoy those and check out the show notes. As mentioned, I will get a commission if you click on the affiliate link and purchase through there. Let's get right into the episode. As I said, today's episode is about victim blaming. Of course, check out the show notes for all the citations and additional information, resources, things like that. What is victim blaming? Victim blaming is a devaluing act that occurs when the victim or victims of a crime or an accident are held responsible either in whole or in part for whatever has happened to them. Why do people blame victims? The common theme or the common thread that kept coming up in all the research that I was coming across was the main thing or the main theory that people have put forth for why people blame victims is a protective mechanism. People are blaming victims to feel safe themselves. In a lot of ways, it's being described as not not necessarily something that somebody is doing purposely. all the theories have a common thread of it's almost an, a human instinct to make ourselves feel like we are safe and this would never happen to us. A few different theories kind of to dig a little bit deeper. One is called the just world hypothesis. This is the view that people have that people deserve what happened to them. You see the world as just, you see the world as fair, you believe good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. It's that thought process of, well, she had it coming to her, he had it coming to him, they had it coming to them. Attribution error, overemphasizing personal characteristics and devaluing environmental characteristics when judging others. And then finally, this is really a common theme throughout all of this. You're blaming victims to protect your own feelings and to feel safe yourself. So a great example of this is somebody who has been sexually assaulted. Somebody saying, well, she was walking home late at night all by herself. I would never do that. So I'm not ever going to be raped. It's that logic of thinking where you're 
again, it might not be on a conscious level, but you are distancing yourself. You are rationalizing what happened to the person and in turn blaming them to make yourself feel better, to feel like, okay, that, that could never possibly happen to me though. Why is this really not a logical way of thinking? Why is this messed up? I was thinking about this as I was preparing for the episode and I was thinking actually about a preliminary hearing that I did when I was still a prosecutor and the defense attorney opposing counsel, it it wasn't a sexual assault or a sexual crime. This was just a burglary, but this popped in my head as I was preparing for the episode. It was a burglary and the defense attorney, his entire argument was that the victims of the crime didn't lock the door. And this was, you know, I should say like he wasn't the best attorney (laughs) because that's really not the law, but he actually did argue this in in court. And I remember as I was sitting there listening, you know, I was getting more and more heated inside. And when it came time for the closing arguments, I remember, you know, basically like jumping up at that point and just being like, that's not the point. You don't have to lock the door to your house. That's not a requirement. There's no law that says you need to lock the door every time that you leave. You could never lock the door a day in your life. It's not your fault that somebody else is coming into your house and taking stuff from you and robbing you and these are separate totally separate things anything that you did or thought or any like quote-unquote negligence that somebody's gonna argue like well they shouldn't have left the door unlocked okay well nothing bad ever would have happened if this other person did not get involved So it takes somebody else. It takes the mind of a bad actor, basically, the bad actions of somebody else. They have to make the decision to break into your house. It has nothing to do. Yeah, we can look back and we can justify and minimize and be like, oh, if only I locked the door. Well, the truth is you should be able to you know leave your door unlocked that's why it's not in the laws anywhere (laughs) that's why you are not being penalized for leaving your door unlocked let's take that analogy to intimate relationships to sexual assault to domestic violence if i walk down the street alone and something bad happens to me, that's the same thing. I should be able to move about the world freely without fear of being murdered, raped, assaulted. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm walking down the road. If I'm walking down the road and I'm on drugs, if I'm walking down the road and I'm wasted, 
I'm not actually doing anything to anybody else. I'm walking home. I'm minding my own business. I'm walking down the street alone. If somebody, it, that, if something happens to me, if I get assaulted, if I get raped, if I get murdered, it has nothing to do with my actions. It's another person has now entered the picture and they have made a decision and they have made the choice to do a very bad thing to me. My choices, my actions don't cause somebody else to murder me, to rape me, to assault me. The problem isn't what I'm doing. The problem is what the other person is doing. The person that is causing the harm. I should be able to walk down the street by myself, regardless of the time of day, regardless of my level of toxicity, regardless of what I'm wearing. I should be able to do that. Same thing, intimate relationships. Nobody, for example, let's just talk about somebody who hits their partner. So many people will try to justify that. Well, she was asking for it. She was yelling. They were doing this. They were doing that. The problem is the person that is harming the other person. When you cross that line, when you cross that threshold, that's where the issue comes up. The other thing I want to point out here on why victim blaming is messed up is it's not based on reality. I want to go through some statistics really quickly to just highlight that fact. So first, sexual assault. One out of every six American women has been or will be the victim of an attempted or completed rape. 21% of transgender, genderqueer, non-conforming college students have been sexually assaulted. One out of every 10 rape victims are male. One in four women, 24.3%. And one in seven men, 13.8% age 18 and older in the United States have been the victim of severe violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Intimate partner violence affects more than 12 million people every year. One in three women, 35.6%, and one in four men, 28.5%, in the United States have experienced rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. Almost half of all men and women in the United States have experienced psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And pay attention to this. More than half, 51.1% of female victims of rape reported being rape, raped by an intimate partner. 40.8% reported being raped by an acquaintance. The point of these statistics is 
to remind you and to help you make a conscious effort that most of these victim blaming stories, a lot of them, a majority, are not with strangers. Although you may want to distance yourself and think, oh, I could never get in a abusive relationship. Oh, I could never be the victim of a sexual assault. Statistically, it can happen to anybody. And although instinctively your first, your gut reaction may be to distance yourself and think, well, I would never walk down the street alone. Well, I would never drink all those things. Well, I would never do this or that. I just want you to think about those statistics as a way to almost ground you and remember, you know, most of the time this stuff doesn't even happen. This isn't even a stranger walking down the road scenario. This is with somebody that you know is doing this to you. This could happen to anybody. Remind yourself of that every time that little voice comes up in your head where you are tempted to place any amount of blame on the victim. I want to move forward and I want to kind of wrap up this episode and talking about how we can best support survivors. First, what shouldn't we say? Stay away from phrases that contain things like should, if only, must. You should have done X. If only you had done Y. Well, you must have done X to make them do Y. Don't ask those leading type of questions that suggest that they didn't do something or the onus is on them. What I mean by that are examples like, why didn't you do X? Why didn't you say no? Why didn't you scream? Did you scream? Well, were you drinking? Why did you stay? Why didn't you leave? Don't talk about your experience. So if this happened with, let's say, the victim's friend or their their partner, don't talk about your experience with that person. What? Are you sure they're always so nice to me? Your experience is irrelevant and that's really invalidating a victim's experience. These are some helpful phrases to say to somebody to support a survivor when they choose to share what has happened to them with you saying things like I believe you thank you for sharing that with me it took a lot of courage for you to talk to me about this and tell me about this it's not your fault and I want you to know that you did not deserve any of this you're not alone I care about you I'm here for you I'm sorry this happened. If somebody comes to you and they are in an abusive relationship, I think it's really important to remember that the statistics, I believe, is like it takes approximately seven times for the victim or survivor of an abusive relationship to leave that relationship. So, the best thing I believe that you can do is 
to not judge them, not guilt them, not criticize them, support them, even if they decide that they want to stay with that person. Help them create safety plans, can get familiar with resources. I have put tons of resources in the show notes. Get familiar with those. Take care of yourself, of course, because this is leaving an abusive relationship doesn't typically happen overnight. If somebody is confiding in this with you, it might be a long haul. So take the space that you need to be able to support your friend or this person properly. But if a victim is confiding in you that they are in any kind of abusive relationship, truly have compassion and realize that it, this might not be a process where they're telling you this and they're actually going to leave. Speak up when you hear others blame victims. So even if the victim isn't around, I think it's really important to shut those conversations down. Some examples of how to speak up or what you could say are just saying, why would it matter what they're wearing? It's not their fault. Okay, well, the only person who did anything wrong here is the perpetrator, the person who did this action. I think challenging those thoughts and speaking up lets people know you're not going to tolerate that kind of discussion and hopefully they'll re- reevaluate the thoughts themselves. But if nothing else, it is consistent with your values and it's consistent with how you are living your life and you are supporting victims and you never know who is listening to that conversation. So maybe somebody has not even opened up to you about an abusive relationship or a sexual assault that they've experienced. But as I just went through those statistics earlier, as you can see, statistically speaking, you're likely going to be around if you're in at least a a group of people, you're likely going to be around somebody who's experienced these things. So I think by speaking up, And consistently shutting down victim-blaming conversations, you never know what person might come forward. You never know what person might be like, you know, Cordelia has always spoken up and she's always been really adamant in her stance. I really think she would be a great person for me to, to talk to about this. I think she would offer me a safe space. Finally, I challenge you to be an active bystander. I've provided in the show notes links and helpful resources for that as well. I think when you see something, just knowing the appropriate actions to take while also knowing how to keep yourself safe, but not letting something just happen to somebody else is really important. If you get nothing else from today's episode, I hope that you realize that it is really important to try your best not to invalidate somebody's experience 
as a victim or a survivor. You have no idea. You may be the first person the survivor is ever opening up to about this. And it could be extremely crucial how you choose to broach the situation and how you respond. What if it's the first time the victim, the survivor, has ever talked to anybody about this and you inadvertently go the victim blaming route and then they decide they don't want to tell anybody else about it ever. They internalize, you know, so much hatred and blame towards themselves. Truly, you just, you never know how much your that conversation because that's a lot it's a lot to open up to somebody about being the survivor of abuse or assault or sexual assault it's it's a lot and it's a lot to hear and receive but if somebody is opening up to you about these huge topics I think it's really important to educate yourself on how to respond appropriately because it could truly be a life-changing conversation for that person. I hope this episode was helpful for you. I will be dropping the next episode in two weeks from today. So check back in two weeks. A new episode drops every other Monday. So the next episode will be dropping on October 4th, Monday, October 4th. Until then, be sure to follow my Instagram at codependent recovery. Also check out all the resources and everything in the show notes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review. Those are always very helpful. I really appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope that you have an amazing rest of September. Bye!